Hello and welcome to Blades Pod. It is Wednesday, the 14th of October. My name is Ben. Joining me on the line is Andrew. How you doing, mate? I'm not bad. Not bad. What about yourself? I'm all right. I'm, I'm going to try and try not to croak my way through this. I've uh, yeah had a week where I was pretty convinced I had coronavirus and then had a negative test, and I don't. I just I just seem to have all the associated symptoms over the last few days. So that's that's been kind of dramatic. I'm still lots sort of, going uh, round. Lots going round. Who knows what? Yeah. It, you know, so uh, yeah. hope everybody is uh, is keeping healthy out there. So I'm I'm going to try and uh, try and get through this without spluttering too much. Anyway. Um, what a week for football, mate! A real, uh, a real high point of of off field activity, I think. And we should probably just just start there, really. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Fulham game coming up this weekend, of course. Uh, we, yeah. Which got moved to Sunday after we um, we said a few weeks ago about how nice it'll be to have a, a three pm Saturday kickoff again. That's been moved to uh, the delights of Sunday noon <sighs> instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the the second half of this podcast, we're we're gonna run through some early season narratives in the Premier League as well and decide whether we think they're going to uh, continue or whether they are just uh, a bit of a mirage at this point. But first, mm. yeah, what a week, as I said. I mean, the international break um, it kicks off with uh, Ollie Burke withdrawing from the Scotland squad with an injury. Uh, Rian Brewster also withdrew from the under-21s, I assume. That's to get fit. There's not been any information on that anywhere, which is slightly... Frustrating, I think. Yeah, I want to media. pick up on that. Why has no one asked, or why does nobody know what's happening with these injuries at all? I'm going to charitably say that uh, the club do not want that information out mm. there in terms of uh, team news for uh, the Fulham game. Um, yeah, understandable. Potentially. Uh, so that happened. Then we we get the great news that um, uh, all all non televised games for the rest of the season are now going to cost you uh, fifteen pounds pay per view. Then McGoldrick gets injured with a, an adductor muscle injury, which sounds like he's going to be out for probably four to six weeks, something like that. Then we find yeah. out John Egan has to go into self-isolation after being in close contact with a teammate who's tested positive for COVID. Then we get Project Big Picture dropped on us all. And then finally, uh, John Fleck gets injured playing for Scotland the other night. Um, I say finally because there's still a round of fixtures to go. So Yeah, they're all playing tonight. So this is where Sander Berger gets injured in it. And uh, who else? Steven- Stevens, if he plays tonight, he'll have played three 90 minutes in a row within a week. And he's played, what, probably every minute? Oh, no, sorry, him. longer because he went into extra time, didn't he, in fact? Uh, that's right, yeah. So it's, it's an international break, very much in keeping with our season so far, I think. I mean... I think everyone's. I don't think anyone wants an international break. We're on the Fulham board early, just getting some early views, and they were all saying, "Why is?" I mean, they've got Mitrovic who played 120 minutes for Serbia. I don't know if he's played since then, but they're like saying the same. He's not really been fit for them, and all of a sudden, he's lobbed 120 minutes in for Serbia. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's crazy. I just, I just don't know who this international break is for. Like the Gareth Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> Even he neglected to pick any uh, left-footed players the other day. Um, yeah. I mean, the Euros isn't until next summer. Like, surely we can have all these playoffs in five or six months or something like that. So I don't know what's going on there. But is there anything you want to uh, particularly pick up on from what I've uh, just listed? Do you know what? Football's bad enough at the moment, I think, with no crowds and players and and even like managers missing due to COVID and stuff like that. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, like football during wartime, Hmm. where, I mean, the difference is obviously this season will undoubtedly have a bearing on the future of clubs, whereas the war seasons were all friendly competitions, you know what I mean? But obviously, if we go down, we will be in the championship once crowds are back and whatever, you know, whatever that might be. Mm. But it still feels like a bit... It's going to be looked back on as an anomaly of a season, like a bit of a novelty and stuff, and like a bit like a friendly tournament, glorified friendly tournament. And I don't think people are going to look back on it with any other comments and you know, that was just the biggest oddity of a football season in, mm. in, in the history of football. And, I don't know about you, but I find it quite hard to take it seriously in some ways. Do you know the what we see at the moment with no crowds and the massive scores, and then the international breaks in front of you know no fans and stuff? It, I don't know. So it's already for me a, a hugely inferior version to the game that we love, and most fans are pretty down about not being able to get to games and whatever. So the last thing we needed is uh, <laughs> the fifteen pound thing to come in, and then Rick Parry or whoever else come up with this big picture nonsense that you know just. <laughs> shamelessly big clubs trying to bully smaller clubs into gaining power 
that's the last thing we needed to know. Everyone's already down in the dumps and everyone's like just about loads of things. Football's supposed to be an escapism. Yeah. And I just thought like that when, when that news dropped and those proposals, and it probably won't go through a touch wood, it won't go through, but I don't know. It just thought you think, oh, you know what? Forget football. It's just, that's, you know what I mean? It just sort of, everything else that's rubbish in the world at the moment, mm. that's just sort of tied in with it. That, that was almost like the final straw for me to say, do you know what? I've had enough. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, I haven't had enough, you know, I'm going to be watching United on Sunday, I'll be cheering and whatever, but it's just all a bit of a downer, isn't it, at the moment? And that just would just needlessly sort of, a needless pro, project, what is it, big picture? Yeah. Ugh, I, I don't know, words can't, I, I don't think it's hyperbole when I say, I think it's one of the most disgusting power grabs I've ever seen in the history of any sport. The more I read about it, the more appalled I am, to be honest, at how... Mm. Uh, I mean, just just how blatant it is, and how how naked a power this is. It. is. Um, and it, it's almost like right, football fans are having a bad time. They can't watch the clubs, and they have you know people losing their jobs. It's a good escapism. What we'll do is alienate them even more. But mm. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think just... one one of the things that well, one of the many things that kind of bothered about me is, I mean, obviously the uh, the, the sweetener, the carrot, is it's almost it's the EFL bailout, isn't it? And that mm. that in itself has kind of bothered me because you you know you see uh, smaller clubs I guess chairman of small clubs like Rotherham for example are like yeah sign me up for this you know at, at, at what stage is a decision made by Liverpool and Chelsea going to impact on Rotherham I mean it's it's not is exactly it that. in the very yeah. foreseeable future so there's I saw the Fleetwood chairman came out and said look everyone's going to vote for this in the EFL and mm. I, I messaged a friend and I said like that's all very well. No offence to Fleetwood, but it's highly unlikely that the actions of Chelsea and Liverpool in the future are going to ever, you know, um, impact on them. I think any decent-sized club who has any sort of aspirations of being a Premier League club, you know, United, Burnley, people who are in the moment, all the way down to League One with Sunderland or someone like that could easily come back up. I just don't see how you vote for it with any sort of... I mean, it just ruins the competition, doesn't it? It's going to be almost like a glorified Scottish league. A little bit, yeah. I, I wonder if there's, uh, you know, if this is your your opening gambit and it gets negotiated to a, a happy happier medium, I suppose. I mean, the thing about the, um, you know, the, the, I think it's, is it nine, like the sort of big six plus three others or something like that, having a... I mean, the three others are just put in there, aren't they, just to say, well, it's not just the big six. <laughs> <laughs> but them having voting power over uh, approval of like new owners of clubs in the Premier League, I mean, that's... I mean, that would just mean that we will... Well, you could say for better or for worse, but there would never be another Roman Abramovich, presumably. No. To a Man City non- would never be able to challenge you. It'd be those top six clubs and that is that who's, yeah. who's got a realistic chance of doing anything. Because why on earth would they approve a new billionaire owner coming in and yeah. upsetting that apple cart? But, yeah, I think um, uh, Kieran Maguire is, is doing a great job of pulling this to pieces in terms of uh, the actual mm. numbers behind the uh, the... the the size of the pie that is proposed to be distributed to EFL, and it's it's not as yeah. big as uh, Rick Parry would would have as have you believe. I think it's uh, it seems like people are getting a bigger slice of a smaller pie. So yeah, it's. I understand <laughs> Rick Parry's his job is to look after these clubs. He don't want people going under and stuff, but he must realise that. I mean, I think a lot of people have accused him of obviously being the ex-Liverpool chief executive. I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think he's desperate as, as everybody else, to be completely honest. And mm. Clubs are going to go under if, if, if something is done, and, and that is horrible. My, my, what I don't like is that, yeah, OK, clubs clubs are going to go under, and that's a local community and, and whatever, but you're going to ruin the English game completely by if you vote in favour of this. Yeah, so yeah, we we hope that gets uh, smashed to pieces. To be honest, um, I, I think. I mean, to be fair, I've seen you know lots of uh, supporters, supporter groups of those big six clubs, are basically saying this is a mm. no no. Like, well, someone's put a thing up here, and I don't know how true this is, but apparently some clubs have come in uh, against it. I mean, apparently there's only two clubs who are actually for it, which are Liverpool <laughs> and Man United. Mm. Which, well, incredibly, about Liverpool and Man United, did, did you know that there are only two clubs in the league who can veto the Premier League chairman? I didn't know that, no. Sorry, the Premier League chief executive. They're the only two clubs who can say, no, we're not having him, which is, I don't know why they're allowed that much power. But apparently everyone else is either against it or just said no comment. Arsenal have put that they're undecided. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the voting power thing really got to me because it just, it just made me think back to the uh, the, the vote over having the um, having five subs 
in the, before this season started, you know, be, between the two seasons. And obviously uh, it was put to a vote and the clubs rejected it. So they decided they were going to have another vote instead to try and get the result they wanted. And that got rejected as well. And it just can't help but feel like that, they've, you know, the, these clubs have basically just said, we can't have this situation where people vote against what we want to happen. So here we go. This is how we're going to restructure mm. everything so that we can just make the decisions from now on. And yeah, in a, as you say, in a, in a time where it's very easy to be down on football, you know, we and uh, I guess a lot of the football watching public have spent five or six days debating the, I guess, this this horrific attempt to restructure the English game. And yeah, mm. it's, uh, could have done without it, really. Could have done with, uh, you know, just, just watching games and enjoying the sport. But instead, here we are. So thanks, Rick Parry. Well, I've just seen a, a tweet from uh, Adam Crafton, who I think is a sports journalist. Yeah, yeah. for The Athletic, isn't he? Yeah. And he's put uh, ex-FA chairman David Bernstein and David Davis to present proposal to reset football. Eight-man group of sport political figures. Rick Parry has seen the plans and is impressed. So, you know, that's see pro- what happens next. But that's, that's my worry of- is that they say, I'll tell you what then, he said just those nine clubs. We'll add Newcastle, Leeds, Leicester into it or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Villa and... <laughs> other big clubs and they can have a say but the rest of you just get lost yeah and uh you know we, we've joked before haven't we about uh united will be the first club to be relegated without parachute payments well that's one of the proposals no more parachute payments from 2022 yeah. 23 onwards so <laughs> let's go down happens. this season so if we go down this season we'll get parachute payments is that right <laughs> That's correct, and next season as well, but then it's phased out after that. So, yeah, mm. deliberate relegation might be the way forward. Um, the 15 quid yeah, thing. I just think, I just think, I understand things need to change. I just, I think that the, it's ridiculous that things change by making the bigger clubs bigger and greedier and richer and just having the gap even bigger. I just, I think for the competition, I mean, the Premier League come out against it, and rightly so, because it's just going to completely water down their you know their products as as they see it because it's just going to be completely uncompetitive yeah and i think the amount of prize money that uh you know a team finishing like 15th gets will just be pretty negligible compared to uh yeah some well the aggr- it's, it's going in aggregate placings isn't it that's the proposal mm. over the last three seasons so say we finished ninth last season we wouldn't get the money that we got for finish ninth it'd go on our aggregate placings over the three years it's yep. just ridiculous because you could never catch up, can you? No, exactly. Um, Fifteen pounds per game to watch uh, pay-per-view blades. How do you feel about that? I think Gary Neville summed it up quite well, where he said, "How do you expect people to be happy about this when they've had the last whatever it is six months of them watching the games for free, and now all of a sudden you're trying to like market it as in, oh yeah, you're doing it for your own club, and then like yeah, I mean even Sheffield United who are." Not the biggest spenders by any stretch. We've just spent twenty-three million pound on 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 a, on a striker. I don't see how you can dare play, plead poverty about. Oh come on, we need this fifteen pounds to help the club. To I just, no, I, again, it doesn't sit well for me at all. I think it's a terrible sort of decision by all all the owners. I understand why they need to come into it, but like I say, I, for me personally, I just don't see how clubs who are spending literally millions and millions and millions and like wages and players will never play. Are saying we need this money, you need to keep the club going for £15. It's just nonsense to me. The timing was particularly hilarious, if you're of that mind, wasn't it? We had the whole, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let fans in campaign on like on the Thursday, I think, which United themselves endorsed, yeah. and I think the EFL endorsed. <laughs> the next day, uh, yeah, you have to pay £15 to watch uh, watch all these games from now on. And uh, yeah, if you're a, if you're a f- fan of a well, a smaller club, I suppose. If you're a Blades fan, a West Brom, a Burnley, a Palace, you're going to be on pay-per-view more often. I would have thought you'd be less likely to be on Sky. So you're going to have to fork out more to see your team. And also, we're still going to move all your games anyway to, <laughs> to Sunday lunchtime for no reason at all. Um, I mean, just like as a one-off game, I think £15 is all right. Like, you know, if it's if it's like a cup semi-final yeah. or something like that. but. I want to watch every game. Fans want to watch every game. That's the whole yeah. point of being a fan. This is it. If, they, if they did it as a season ticket and said, yeah. I don't know, £100 or whatever, maybe even more, I don't know. I think you got more people saying, yeah, do you know what? I'll probably, I will be watching every game, so why not? But £15 a match. like, yeah. it, and so I saw, like, I, I clicked on it, a Man United fan from London, which probably explains a lot, but this Man United <laughs> fan were on Twitter and he was saying, yeah, but it's cheaper than going to like a normal game. So it's completely different. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's an absolutely non-comparable experience, is it? I mean, it's it's, it's vastly. I can also, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, if there were no such thing as social distancing or whatever, and you could say, right, the club are going to show it, you know, in the in their lounge or whatever, and you pay £15 and you have a few drinks with your mates and stuff, I could sort of see that more of an experience. But you're not. You're going to be sat at home watching a, a, a stream on your laptop for £15 a match. Mm. It's, oh, it's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal at all. So, uh, but that's that's the uh, well, I think it's till the end of October, isn't it? And then uh, <clears throat> I assume well, I don't know. I, I, some benefit of the doubt that maybe they'll work in a sort of season ticket thing for the rest of the way. But I would like to think that they would have got that sorted already, to be honest, because obviously they've, you know, this has been staring them in the face for uh, well, yeah. what is it now, like eight months that we would have the situation. So. <laughs> I feel sorry for the Premier League in the sense that it's not their fault this is happening. I'm sure they'd love to have stadiums full if they could, and and the clubs are the same and everything. But I think they've just completely misread the public mood, aren't they? At the moment, people are losing jobs and everything, and they're like, "Oh, come on, save us with this fifteen pound a match because you know we're, we're poor football Premier League football clubs, and then they're spending like thirty million pounds on a on a loan signing or whatever." <laughs> yeah, sounds like your dog is uh, also in. He does, yeah. I think he, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What's here? But anyway, <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, carry on. <laughs> He'll shut up in a minute. Um, any any of our international blades particularly catch your eye for uh, for good reasons over the last week? So, McGoldrick were absolutely fantastic. So it's really unfortunate that it looks like he's going to be injured. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you saw I that know. game. I think I did. did. I watched it. Yeah, purely obviously for the uh, all those Irish blades. Um, although I, I seem for that reason, I've watched far more of Ireland than uh, England in the last year or so. I suppose, but yeah. It was uh, it was classic McGoldrick in that game, like um, you know, dropping into space, just dribbling away from people, setting up chances. He was uh, it was sensational. I'm, I'm, you know, he played. I think he played about 110 minutes, and then he came off mm. sort of hobbling a little bit, but kind of in. I yeah, was you didn't thinking, think he would be a proper injury, did you? I didn't even think he was injured. I thought he's just played 100 no, plus minutes, no, and yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking this is this is great for us in you know in a sort of horrible way. The the best scenario that. He's played himself into some good form there. Um, Ireland have got knocked out, so they don't have a meaningful next game to follow. It's just yeah. some more Nations League stuff or friendlies. So he could probably be rested for that. And then the news comes out, he's injured. It's like, oh, great. You know, chalk off another player who, uh, who won't be available for us. The yeah. John, the John Egan one. <laughs> so. Nobody really knows what's happening still, do they, by the sounds of it? Nobody knows what's happening because this is apparently a new situation for which there is no precedent whereby he's had to self-isolate, not because he has tested positive, but because he's been in contact with a teammate who has tested positive. And it's down to... um, uh, And and West Brom are in a similar boat with Callum Robinson, I think, aren't they? Um, It's down to the Premier League and the government to decide basically whether he can play this weekend or whether he's going to have to do two full weeks of self-isolation, which I think started last Thursday, so he's only done six days of it so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, if there's uh, two bodies of authority that I have nothing but total faith in, <laughs> it's definitely the government and the Premier League. So, yeah, as of right now, we don't know if Egan's going to be available or not, thanks to The Athletic for actually sort of laying this out I suppose but yeah it's it's a possibility um but yeah it will be it will be setting a, a precedent for how they handle future people who've been around people who've tested positive for covid so we'll I don't see, think they'll risk it I don't think they'll risk it because I think it's public um in a in a, a public relation not public relation what's what I'm after what's the what's the term after here in a publicity sense or whatever it doesn't look good does it you know yeah. that you have to a, a normal person has to uh socially distanced for two weeks if they come into contact with someone but John Egan can come straight back into the Sheffield United team yeah so it's just as I say it's just very much in keeping with our season so far isn't it of uh, mm-hmm. you know he himself hasn't done anything uh, done anything wrong in terms of testing positive but yeah he's done nothing it. wrong you could argue he's done nothing wrong at all all season he's missed two matches well possibly three matches <laughs> if, if he's asked to add like two oh no it'll be two, two matches won't it um and for no reason, he should have probably not got sent off against Villa, and now he's not even got COVID. He's having to sit it out. So. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm sure he's going for the hat trick. He'll actually get COVID next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. Um, nothing happening transfer news wise as well. Just uh, barely a whisper of a rumor. I did see somebody say earlier that um, this is because websites just don't care about EFL transfers to Premier League, so they 
you know, there's just not the same level of making up complete nonsense on Twitter and yeah. trying to drive clicks that way. But yeah, it doesn't um, it doesn't look like anything's happening apart from uh, Congolo, the uh, the guy that we originally linked with from Huddersfield is supposed to be going to Fulham now. So watch him be turning out for Fulham this weekend, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I think he's injured, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Think so he should, he should be playing, but I mean, Ben Davis is the only one that's come out, hasn't it, as a as a proper sort of rumor in, in a defensive sense, other than the uh, the guy you just mentioned, because whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like uh, I think he's the only one who's like really been mentioned. So when, when is it Friday? Do you say it's uh, the deadline? Like, deadline is Monday, I think. No, sorry, it's it's yeah, it's the sixteenth. Sorry, yes, yeah, Friday. Oh, Friday, yeah. So we've not got long to get it. I mean, yeah, I don't like the idea of Robinson being there all season, to be honest. And I'm not entirely... Sh- I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying we should put Ender there. Mm. I think it's very different putting Ender Stevens there when you're on top form, as we were in the Championship, and one of the best sides in the league, or you know, the second best side in the league that season, compared mm. to playing in a Premier League team that's struggling already and are probably going to be another cosh a lot more. All right, let's let's use that as a uh, a point to segue to this Fulham game. Then, I mean, an absolutely huge game. Uh, this is the archetypal six pointer, isn't it? Two teams on zero points. Um, certainly, from the outside, in various stages of disarray, I would say. Although, having a, an in depth knowledge of United, I think it's fair to say we're pretty unlucky to be on zero points at this stage. Whereas. Mm-hmm. Fulham from the outside do kind of look like they're, I don't know, sort of going down the road of repeating the mistakes from the last time in the Premier League of, like, quick, let's completely replace our first team with loads of new players and, and hope that this works. And yeah, we're, It's we're... interesting you should say that because I've just been on the Fulham board before we did this pod to see what they're saying. Mm. Weirdly optimistic because they're saying like they brought lots of cheek in stuff and the, mm-hmm. the guys from Huddersfield. Really and they're all like saying, oh, I think it's a different sort of, you know, we're, we're a lot better than we were last time we came up. And one of them even it tips them to finish mid-table and stuff. So they're, they're certainly in a... A more positive place than us as a fan base. Probably that's just, I don't know what their fan base is like. If it's another sort of Norwich style fan base, we think everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. Or uh, or if they have got genuine reasons to be this confident, but they've not been good, have they? Let's be honest. No, four games, four defeats, just like us. Three goals scored, eleven goals conceded. So that's the uh, the the joint worst defense in the Premier League with the with the old Premier League champions Liverpool. There. Um, yeah. I've got to be honest, I'm quite apprehensive about this game, more so uh, than I was for Leeds and Arsenal, which is, is pretty mm. illogical, I think. I guess I guess some of that is the is what's at stake, because obviously our following games are uh, certainly on paper going to be much harder. And uh, and I'd say if we lose this, there's a very real possibility that we yeah only have like one or two points after eight games or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think also just uh, I, I need a positive result to kind of shake me out of this thing of like everything's going against us, which which yeah. you know this this week of internationals has kind of reinforced, I suppose. How, how about you? Just a general uh, feeling ahead of the game. I'm quite. I'm not nervous. I'm I'm a bit sort of downcast about it, and I don't know if that's because of everything that's gone against us, or I don't know. It just seems to have this horrible sense of inevitability to me, and. I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong. I think three points changes everything, but I'm in a bit of a down place with football in general. And Sheffield United's form is not helping that, and their look this season is certainly not helping that that out that outlook from me. No, it's really not. I mean, I, I uh, understand do this thing of expected points based on your uh, on your xG for and against in each game, and uh, yeah, according to them, we should have about uh, well, we should have more than four points essentially. Uh, and we are, mm. by that measure, we are by far the biggest underperformers in the entire Premier League. So you, mm. you could certainly make a case that we have been pretty unlucky to be sat on zero points at the moment. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, who knows if that bad luck and some bad finishing is going to uh, carry on, I suppose. Um, yeah, I would say Fulham's season so far has, has been a bit of a mess. They have a uh, lower XG than us, 17th worst in the league, uh, significantly worse XG against. They do, they shoot a lot more than us, but they're in the bottom three for the lowest shots on shot on target 
percentage. Mm. Um, I think they are. I think we're the lowest, and they are the 18th at the moment. So, uh, two teams who don't finish well in this early stage of the season. Really interesting. These stats you're pulling out here because just the mood on the Fulham board is so different hmm. to what like the, the facts are telling you basically i'm quite i can't get me I, I thought you might be saying oh do you know what they've actually done this and they've but they've scored the second least amount of goals and let the joint most goals in I, and then and the stats aren't backing up but they've been unlucky are they yeah i think they had a decent performance against wolves in their last game which <laughs> may be tilting this slightly i mean they still lost that game and wolves are scrabbling a little bit themselves for form, aren't they? Uh, have I got that right? We're a Wolves in the league at the minute. Uh, Wolves, yeah. Well, yeah, Wolves won, won lost two, one, two, lost one, two, two. One, two, lost two, yeah. yeah. Beating us and Fulham. Yeah, so I don't know if that's tilting a bit. I guess also, you'd probably be quite excited about their signings, even having done this two years ago, I guess. Um, mm. Loftus-Cheek, I mean, we talked about him in the summer. Yeah. As like a, a almost a long shot. Like, would he be available for loan? And if he yeah. would, then oh, I'd love love to see him come and play on the uh, right side of our midfield. Um, Adamola Luckman, you know, very high reputation. Uh, didn't work for him at um, Everton, and he's been in. Ger- I think he's been at Leipzig, has he? Certainly been in Germany. The last yeah, that's years. right. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he was a first teamer. Hmm. He's still a uh, pretty young kid, and he. Um, yeah. 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 Two new centre backs, obviously uh, in uh, oh, Adarabio, Adar I believe it is from. Uh, That's, yeah, I'll let you say that. Yeah, I think you're you. spot on. Yeah, yeah. I, one I of the s- one of the comments I've got because uh, I really like whatever his name is. Uh, um, although he's not played Premiership, is this because this will be his debut? I don't think he'll be overawed by having to uh, mark Eddie McGoldrick. Eddie McGoldrick. Uh, I, yeah, I presume they mean David McGoldrick. Seen as Eddie McGoldrick, so. <laughs> 55 year old ex <laughs> Crystal Palace winger so. excellent um, and Joachim Anderson as well uh, another centre back that they've signed so yeah I guess there's, you know, there's going to be some optimism around that but that's going to take some time to mould together I think I mean yeah th- you know this is a game I think we definitely should win to be honest like if we you know if we have genuine ambitions of being a mid-table team never mind sort of getting ourselves out of relegation trouble but I mean the, the issues are obviously with the injuries and whatever. I mean, if McBurney mm. gets injured tonight, for instance, I think we're left with Brewster and Sharp, and we don't know. If, I don't know what Brewster's fitness levels are like. Yeah, we're left with Brewster and Sharp, and literally no one else, right? Yeah, like, those we'll are left our... packed on the bench or whatever. Yeah, it would be our only two fit forwards. I mean, yeah, yeah we, do you want to you know posit the team here if we assume <sighs> if we assume Egan's not available? I mean, that just makes things even more complicated, doesn't it? But I think. Ampadu I think the defence picks itself. If he, not for me personally, but I think if Egan's not available, he's not going to want to me- mix it up too much by putting Lowe or Bogle, and who might have had a shot mm. Lowe in particular. Um, w- if we'd have had Egan, you know, in there, but I think the, I think obviously Ramsdale in goal. He saved the pen, yes, so we should probably mention as well, shouldn't we? Because uh, he did. Hopefully, that uh, gives his confidence um, up a bit. Yeah, one of the more bizarre penalty awards I've seen for a long time, but the referee was, <laughs> yeah, was very certain yeah. that it was a penalty and no VAR. Uh, that, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think then you're looking at, I think he'll stick if Egan's out. I think he'll put Ampadu back in. It'll be the same defence against Leeds. I think the mm. forwards will have to be McBurney and Brewster, uh, it, you know, going on McGoldrick and Burke being out. Midfield is the only place that I think there's a lot of things that could, yeah, let's say Flex out, that's fair dues, but then. You've got to bring Norwood back in, surely. Surely. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see Norwood in the middle, Berger back on the right, assuming he is uh, he's he's fit and ready to go. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think if you if you have Norwood, then you can almost carry Osborne from a attacking point of view. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I think that's I think that's fair enough, fair enough. And I think Bruce, he's not the fastest player we, we mentioned on here before, but he's got a little bit of pace, and we can you know ping balls into channels and little stuff like that. You know, a bit more of a. I think it'll work better than, for, for instance, if Sharp and McBurney were up front. But yeah, it's got to, it's going to be interesting. That midfield for me is 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 key. I think the defence. I don't think it's as good as last year, especially not without Connell and Egan. But we saw against Leeds that they can do a job, can't they? That that you know that back line. I, I don't think they were really sort of. I think I felt they played decent against Leeds. To be fair, that back line. So I'm not too worried about that. But I think it's all about that midfield for me. Getting that right and getting the sort of the balance of the team right again. I mean, you could. I mean, we've seen him play Lundstrom on the left-hand side instead of Osborne. I, I don't know. He, he seems to really, really, really like Lundstrom, don't I? So, yeah, that just—I mean, I don't know if you remember that. It was that first game after the restart when it away at Villa, and it just—it was appalling. It didn't work at all. It really that. was. 
Really, yeah. really was, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Personally, I think you go back to the team that did so well, or, or as much as you can last season, and that's getting Norwood back in. Berger on the right, and then if Flex not fit, you're going to have to play Osborne, I think. I mean, do you know what? I did the loan views this week, and I'm not, I hate to do this, but Luke Freeman would be in, I think. Mm. I, yeah, really, I think, really think he'd be in the team. I think he certainly would have uh, got off the bench in the last couple of games, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if you're asking me now to flex out, pick a team of the players who are on our box, I'd put Freeman in there. Potentially, yeah. In a game like this, where I think it's fair to expect that we'll uh, you know, have more of the ball than uh, <laughs> certainly we did against uh, Arsenal and, um, yeah. uh, and and Villa, obviously, we'd have to 10 men. Yeah, I think that would make sense for sure. Um, I mean, best case scenario is Fleck is fine, McBurney is fine. Um, and Egan is available to play, and, and if that's the yeah, case, and Burke even we don't know what's happened with Burke. We've had nothing on him, have we? Yeah, and that may have just been a precautionary mm. withdraw him and give him two weeks off, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if that's the case, I'll go into I'll go into kickoff very very confident. Yeah. But if we're putting out uh, an even more patched up side than we had against Leeds and Arsenal, for example, then mm. this could be a slog. It may be a slog that we win anyway. But yeah, it yeah. becomes it becomes much more of a fifty-fifty for me than a game where I would expect us to win if we've got our best team out. So yeah, it's, we could uh, have a new signing as well. Remember, we could have a new signing by true. then, or maybe even a couple. Who knows? You know what I mean? But probably more likely one. I think we, we will probably bring in bring in a centre half. So maybe he could step straight up straight in. Let's say it's Ben Davis at the top of my head. You know, it's the only one who's been linked. Maybe he could come straight in, and you're looking a little bit more solid. Yeah, I still I still think I would like to see one of Bogle or Lowe play, but mm. yeah, I guess as you say, if uh, Egan missing might just complicate that a little bit in terms of uh, changing too much. I'm going to do a really good game for Wales. Apparently, I didn't watch it myself, but just judging by the view from uh, against Ireland at centre half, so that's that's good mm. to know there. I mean, he's another one. He's played like two games, and they they still got another game left as well. So, he's, do you know what what state these players are going to come back in? Do you? I mean, playing games on a Wednesday. Mm. I, I thought they all finished normally on a Tuesday. The internationals. It's it's not. It's like they've just crammed. Why three matches? When, when since when did that happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a new thing for this break. But I actually thought it was being introduced for October twenty twenty one. Not uh, not like ten yeah. days after they did decided it. But there we are. I, actually, with, with Ampadu, that might that doesn't bother me. That I actually see no. that as probably a benefit in terms of him getting some more football because obviously uh, was I don't mm. believe he was that involved in preseason. Did he play? No, I don't. Th- I think you're right though. Yeah, fairly late signing for us, obviously. So yeah, you probably yeah, that's probably right. Stevens is another one that if he's not coming back fully fit, I've got no problems putting low in there. See how he gets on. We shall wait and see, mate. Sunday lunchtime for that one, and uh, yeah, hopefully our first positive result of the season. I mean, really hope we get a win. To be honest, I mean a draws a draws okay, and that sort of like oh well, you know, but at least we've stopped the rot, that kind of yeah. thing, but. Yeah, uh, I, I need we need a win just to, to to cheer everybody up. I think do you know what I mean. Just like I mean, Fulham fans will be saying the same as well. But just all the news about you know obviously restrictions coming and all that sort of stuff, and then the football news, which is not helping anybody, yeah. and and all the worry that everyone's got at the moment. That three points will, will definitely help people. I think so. Basically, if we lose, I think Chris Wilder should be ashamed of himself. No, but really, he should be ashamed. Of yeah. <laughs> Uh, final word on Fulham. Michael Hector linked with a loan to QPR. I knew you'd bring this up because you <laughs> say you've been saying he's rubbish since day one. <laughs> and I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you arguing with uh, Jay. I think it was. Well, it must have been when we played Wednesday. It was about about three years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was like saying. He's a good player, and you're like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I wasn't seeing it then. I'm not seeing it now. And uh, yeah, no coincidence that uh, as soon as he gets back to the Premier League, he's so bad they're trying to loan him out to uh, one of their local rivals. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Right, mate, <laughs> let's, let's take a very quick break. Quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you ever look down at your shoes or trainers and think they could use a bit of a touch-up? Then look no further than Glistening Kicks, a Sheffield-based business who deliver high-end cleaning, restoration, and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers, and trainers. Glistening Kicks will remove loose dirt and debris, give laces, shoes, and midsoles a deep clean, and can also touch up any scuffs or imperfections. And if you're looking for a repaint due to damage or general wear and tear, they can take care of that for you too. 
Whether it's a pair of designer shoes or a well-loved and much-worn set of favourite trainers, glistening kicks off a local collection and return in Sheffield and the surrounding areas, including Rotherham, Barnsley, Chesterfield, and other locations in South Yorkshire and Derbyshire. They also do nationwide shipping via their safe, fast, and reliable courier service, so you can be sure your footwear is in the best possible hands. Should mention that Glistening Kicks is run by Blades fans, and they've recently started offering a service to add a Blades logo to your trainers. Or if you have a Wednesday fan in need of cheering up, the Wednesday logo is also available. Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair. Give your existing kicks the treatment they deserve. Head to glisteningkicks.co.uk and book your service today. That is glisteningkicks.co.uk. Plus, follow them on Instagram at glistening underscore kicks for a closer look at the great work they do in making shoes and trainers look their best. Now back to the podcast. And we're back. And uh, yeah, I just want to finish uh, finish this week's episode with some early season narratives from the Premier League and do a bit of uh, narrative uh, debunking, I suppose, or indeed whether we uh, we think it's here to say. So I've got a list of uh, early season narratives from the Premier League that I have made up in my own head, but I think are things that are generally in the uh, in the conversation at the moment around the Premier League. And uh, between us, we're going to decide whether we buy or sell the narrative. So buy if we think, yep, that's going to be uh, a thing, a trend that's going to continue through the season or is a um, is a, a true statement, I suppose. Or sell, we think it's smoke and mirrors. It's just a product of the fact that we've only played four games so far. We don't expect it to continue. So let me start with, uh, I, I guess, the... Huh, the big picture one that that phrase has become slightly uh, slightly tainted in the last few days. Um, football is crazy, and we're going to see a continuation of this high goals per game ratio the rest of the way. What do you think? Buy or sell of that? I've gone sell because mm-hmm. I think we're almost in a pre-season mode still at the moment. I don't think players are up to fully fully fitness, and I think even if they are. I think managers will combat this by going more defensively. I don't think you're going to have Jurgen Klopp allowing five, six, seven goals in against him every other <laughs> week, or or even other clubs. I mean, like I said, there's only us who are normal, aren't they, at the moment? Like, but uh, I just don't see ha- managers, good managers, letting that continue. I'm with you. I'm I'm selling this as well. Uh, just some stats. This is the. Uh, there's been three an average of three point seven nine goals per game, which is the highest. In, in the English top flight since uh, 1931. <laughs> um, compared with last season at this stage, there's 40 more goals scored, um, which is almost almost 50% higher than it was at this stage. 11 out of the 38 games have featured at least five goals, and I believe Man City, Liverpool, and um, uh, gone blank, Manchester United have all conceded four goals and a half so far this season. See the three yeah. or four goals. Yeah. That's crazy. And and I so I'm I'm kind of with you. Um I think that will stop just because it's completely off off the chain. It's completely unprecedented. The other thing to say yeah. is um average number of shots per game has actually decreased, but shot conversion rate has like gone up massively. It's gone up from eleven percent last season to sixteen percent. So 16% of shots are resulting in goals, which is way higher than it was last season. So and that's the all down to Jordan Pickford. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you would expect, I think it's fair to say, that to uh, that to drop and goals to decline slightly. I mean, I was looking down the XG tables and uh, there's like, I think there's only United that have like actually underperformed their XG so far this season. There's, there's yeah. three other teams that are very, very slightly underperforming, and then there's us that are two and a half goals worse off, and everyone else is. Are Newcastle still on every shot that they've had on target has gone in? I think they had a few more against Burnley that didn't go in. Did but... they? Right, fair <laughs> enough. Because that was just incredible, that stat, when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Newcastle. So my, my yeah. counter-argument, you know, I've just sort of said, you know, all these kind of stats so far is like this has never happened before. And, you know, on the basis that it's never happened before and, and by such a margin, you would kind of expect that it will stop happening over a longer period of time. But the, this season has never happened before in terms of these yeah. conditions. You know, the the jumbled preseason, the the no no crowds, the, the completely new conditions behind the scenes in terms of, you know, training setups and, and, and protocols around social distancing and isolation, all this kind of thing. Injuries. The handball be, rule as well. Handball rule for sure. The yeah, so the 
massive increase in penalties is another thing as well that's kind of uh, affecting that number of goals for sure. Um, and yeah, I'd just say that like moulding a tight defence is probably quite time-consuming and difficult. And with all the, the quarantining, the international breaks and no pre-season and injuries and things like that, I just think teams haven't got that figured out yet. And maybe they won't get it figured out over the whole season as you know if these things sort of carry on so i think it's fair to say that's, probably what, be... that's my original point of it's such an anomaly of a season and an oddity mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much long term i don't know how much weight you can put into the season as a whole which mm-hmm. sounds insane because it's a full season yeah but let's say you know we're back to i mean you'd hope even if crowds are not back next season we'll have a normal pre-season because this season hopefully we'll finish on time yeah. So we'll have that going. You know, it'll be a little bit more normal, even if we're not fully back to thirty thousand at Bramall Lane or whatever. I just think you look back on this season, and I think, you know, it's it's anything can happen, like you say. Yeah, and uh, some some truly bizarre results uh, all over the shop, to be honest, um, as, as we kind of said last time. So I think things will normalise a little bit, but I won't be too surprised if there's still. An absolute goal fest, pretty much every other game, apart from Bramley, it seems, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe we can start this weekend. Actually the last time we did um the last time we did play Fulham at Bramley was of course uh, the five four game, I think. I don't think there's been one in between us there. Where old uh, Leon rattled in four goals himself. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Sessignon <laughs> scored a hat trick, I think, from, from left. Brilliant game. That's one of the few games I've ever come out of where we've lost and I've been genuinely happy. Mm. I think it was the first oh, game. Happy. Uh, well. <laughs> I think it was yeah. the first game after uh, Coots's injury. That actually. That is. That's right. correct. Yeah, he got injured at Burton, and we went five-two down, didn't we? And you're like, "Whoa!" But it was such mm. a good match. Mm. I do. I just and remember. Then James Hansen nearly getting the equaliser for five-all. <laughs> yeah, he had it. Like, I think it was like cleared off the line, wasn't it? Mm. I, um, Imagine that. That'd have been fantastic. <laughs> it would. I just remember at full time, all the Fulham players were just like flat out on the pitch and the amount of effort yeah. that they'd had to put in to win that game um, yeah I, just just give me a nice boring 1-0 win for the Blades this weekend please nice. um, next narrative Leeds and Villa will be challenging for the top 10 <laughs> so I don't think that's a huge reach Villa at the moment obviously uh, second in the old Premier League table Leeds are 8th and you know, I'm almost surprised to see that they only have 7 points from 4 games to be honest the way, uh... tough start for them to be fair <laughs> obviously Liverpool and City Yes, that is that is true, and they've obviously done very very well. I've had to do a bit of curating of my Twitter feeds over the last couple of weeks, to be honest. Of like, all right, that that's enough leads for now. I think I think you can go back on the unfollow <laughs> pile. Um, what do you reckon? Leeds and Villa challenging for the top ten all the way through the season by yourself? So difficult, this because as I said before, it's such an anomaly of a season that I don't think I still, and I don't know if this is just me because I picked him to go down. And I'm just being biased, and I will not accept reality. But I don't. I still don't think Villa are that good. I know they've just done with Liverpool seven two, so I sound ridiculous. But I don't think Villa will finish top ten. I think Leeds definitely have a chance. I'm going to say, I'll say sell though. I'll say sell. I don't think they'll be much in it, but I think yeah. Leeds might finish eleventh. Villa about thirteenth. Yeah, I, I'm, I certainly will sell Villa. I think uh, challenging for the top ten. Um, they are unsurprisingly. Hugely outperforming their XG at the moment, having just put seven past yeah. uh, past Liverpool. A pretty a pretty nice start for them, really. I mean, they played us and we were down to ten men immediately, and they played Fulham as well, who, as we just talked about, certainly uh, certainly at this stage of the season have a lot of issues. Um, I think they'll finish around sort of thirteenth, fourteenth. I just like think that. if they lose a couple of games, they'll go on a bit. They'll 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 just sort of. Peter, level out, not Peter out, but level out what they're doing. But I think yeah. I think they'll stay up and take them to go down, so they made me look like a, 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 <laughs> an idiot anyway. Well, you caveated it with uh, you didn't know who they were going to sign at that point. So. Yeah, cheers. So Ross, Ross, Ross Barkley's <laughs> moved the needle that much already. I um, do think Leeds have got the better chance out of the two. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, they... You know that kind of high risk football they play that could that could get them to what fourteen or fifteen wins something like that. I think that's about what we had last season, yeah. getting fifty four points. We've yeah. got two already, obviously. Yeah, I, I could see it, um, but I do think there's not going to be many places to play for in the top ten, as we talked yeah. about before. That's, um, that's the reason I've said the same because I mean, well, 
one of the questions coming up. Obviously, I don't want to give the game away, but obviously you've got Everton who have just come, become a force this season. They're definitely going to finish top ten, you'd have thought. And then you've got obviously the big, the bigger clubs picking Tottenham, beating City away, Man U away six one. You know they're not going to be mid table this season or anything like that. So it's going to be really, really difficult. Mm. Well, let's let's talk about Everton next. So uh, Everton can genuinely challenge for the top four. What do you reckon? I'm going to say sell. Oh, I'm going the other way on this one. So, go on, give give the case. <clears throat> I don't think Everton have played anyone that good yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've had a nice start and they've been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Winning away at Tottenham is not easy, but that were a poor Tottenham display. And, and mm. I think, as we've said, it's early days, it's early doors, and I don't know how many teams are fit. And Everton have come riding out of the blocks. And as soon as you get a couple of wins, your confidence up, and, and you know what I mean. You. Again, a little bit like Villa, I don't know if they lose a couple in a row, if they sort of run out of steam a little bit. I think they'll do a lot better than last season. I'm not, I wouldn't, I won't put a Europa League place past them or anything like that. I just think Champions League, can you get in Champions League with Pitford in goal? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe they won't have him in goal anymore. They signed uh, the Roma keeper on loan, didn't they? Um, Yeah, I I, I completely, uh, I'm I'm completely with you. I had that down as a as a counterpoint to to me buying this narrative. In that, yeah, there there are games so far. They played Spurs in that first game. Spurs were absolutely abject. I mean, it was they were so bad that like the Mourinho question marks all resurfaced again after one single game, didn't they? Um, And then West Brom, Palace, and Brighton, who are currently seventeenth, fifteenth, and twelfth. Three bottom half teams, basically. Um, yeah. You'd expect those teams to finish bottom half as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd be surprised. Oh, first, sorry, the last three, I think. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to be fair, they've absolutely butchered pretty much all of those teams. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, they've uh, scored 12 goals, uh, plus seven goal difference, obviously won all four games. I do think they can challenge this season. I'm, I'm impressed by how well it's come together. Um, James Rodriguez has absolutely hit the ground running or yeah. I guess strolling to an extent I think I don't think he has to run um, he has three don't goals don't get me wrong two... I think they've been the most impressive team this season I really do I think I've, been, I've really enjoyed watching them actually mm. it's just whether it can carry on that's it yeah. and, and yeah. I'm thinking can Calvert-Lewin carry on this ridiculous goal spree as well <laughs> has he got 15 or something already <laughs> <laughs> he's certainly got a lot yeah I think he's got two hat-tricks in consecutive games or something didn't he um, and you just wonder yeah. if, if his goals dry up and stuff, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long they can keep it going for, but you know, I hope they do. But I've got nothing against them, and they were a bit arrogant on the view from. But I, it's nice to see another team sort of challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rodriguez has just slotted in as like this this super creative player already. Um, I think it's ju- just behind Salah and De Bruyne for the the number of shots created so far. Richarlison's uh, started the season really well. I mean, Calvert Lewin, as you mentioned. I think that will carry on him him go, as a goal scorer. I mean, it's the last mm. couple of years he's just really upped his numbers in terms of getting into the right positions more and, uh, and yeah. actually finishing them off. And yeah, he looks an absolute um, just an absolute superstar at the moment up front. And we'll we'll actually get to him in a bit more detail later. But yeah, I, I can see Everton challenging for the top four. I'm not saying they definitely will, but I think they're in um, I think they're in good shape at the moment, uh, particularly if they leave Pickford out, as you say. I mean, obviously they have Ancelotti as manager as well. He's a very good manager and certainly yeah. a better manager than uh, a team like... Um, well, another team that we're going to mention. Uh, we'll mention them next, actually. And that is Manchester United. Mm. Um, okay, this narrative. Manchester United's best-case scenario is another season like last year where they recover from a terrible half a season, really, to uh, nip into a Champions League place. Do you think that's their, their best-case scenario this season? I'm buying that. I think, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I did say at the end of last season, when they, when they were on this run last season, uh, I said, well, you know, it's all right, it's end of the season, so they're picking up results and stuff. My, what I did say at the time was, will it be the same when crowds come back? Well, it's nothing to do with the crowds coming back. I just think that they went on a good run and now they're looking really, really average by their standards again. Yeah, and a lot of that good run was against uh, very, very beatable opponents, wasn't it? They had a lovely yeah. sort of seven-game stretch. <laughs> yeah, who were very beatable at that point, coming out of uh, coming yeah. out of lockdown for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm buying this as well. I, I just think I think all the problems they had last season are still there. Um, you know, all the ones that were kind of masked by uh, Bruno Fernandez's immediate impact there, and that's kind of dried up a little bit. They've only played three games so far, haven't they? And 
uh, well, I, I, I actually don't think the red card against Spurs sounds stupid, but impacted them that much because they were no. already getting pulled apart before that happened. Doesn't happen that Aaron Maguire's pile driving his own players in their own area as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean, I felt this last season about them that they were just kind of, kind of a mess with really mm. good attacking players, and that's yeah. sort of d- doubled down on that with uh, Fernandez signing. Solskjaer is not a good manager at all, I don't think. I mean, there's... Um... It's ridiculous, he's there. You, you fit on it there. They, they were a mess with the good attacking players. I don't think you can rely on that to win a league. I think you can rely on getting mm. top four, top five if your players are that good. I think you need a proper manager to, to genuinely win it. I can't think of a team at the top of my head who won a league or, or, or won any major, major trophy without having a decent manager. Maybe Di Matteo at Chelsea when they won the Champions League. They were a bit of a fluke. They got absolutely battered, didn't they, by Bayern Munich in that in that final. Can't think of anyone else off the top of my head who's won a major, major trophy in the past 10, 20 years who who haven't had a good manager. Yeah, not uh, not jumping to mind. I wasn't expecting that Di Matteo slander, I've got to say. Coming out I'm sure someone rubbish is what a Di Matteo. I mean, I don't know if did Avram Pant win it at Chelsea? I'm not sure. So maybe I'm talking nah. nonsense, but... I think you can only get away with individual quality. Um, if I don't think you can get away with just individual quality if you want to win a title. Yeah, Daniel Story, the uh, the football writer, has made this point several times. Actually, um, his his suggestion is he doesn't think there's any slash many teams in the championship that would swap their current manager for Solskjaer, and uh, I, I would tend to agree with him. To be honest, yeah, it's, I, I don't even. I, I guess the, the structural problems they have. It wouldn't even be a particularly immediate impact if they changed no. to a good manager. And but... this is the thing: I don't. It's a really attractive club. I'm not saying Man United aren't an attractive club to manage, but a decent manager will want full control. You'd have thought, or, or pretty much full control. And I, mm. I, I think at Man United, you, you don't get possibly even half of the control that you you get at other clubs. I, yeah. I think clubs got more control at Liverpool, for instance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would expect uh, Ole to be managed out at the end of this season and uh, a, a real manager come in if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't happen more quickly I suppose if they end up having an absolute nightmare over the next yeah. couple of months but well, it's mad that Pochino just sat around doing nothing isn't it <laughs> yeah I know they're, uh, they're pretty lucky he is to be honest in terms yeah. of he's still on the market um, alright what about this uh, it's, it's a Blades related one it's between us West Brom Fulham and Burnley for relegation only those teams I'm selling that. I think it's way too early. I think you don't know what's going to happen. Someone, some poor club could have a massive COVID outbreak for two weeks that sort of like decimates the squad and they lose two and then they're a relegation battle and the confidence goes and anything can happen, can't it? Yeah, I think there's a uh, there's a, a wild card team, if you like, that we've we've not seen yet that will drop. And it... There always is. There's always someone who starts well and then they sort of hang it. Crystal Palace last year were mid-table all season. Then they just drop like a stone and they've got enough points early on to be fine and stuff. You even look at sort of uh, Watford last season where they were they were bottom, that's it, you're gone, see you later, you've lost 20 games in a row or whatever. Ten games later, they're out of the relegation places. Mm-hmm. All right, they went back in, but that would be due to their own stupidity of sacking Peterson <laughs> mainly. But, but yeah, they went back in it again. But it's way, 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 way too early, especially with how bizarre the league is. And yeah. and the um, like I said, there's going to be players missing. You're a thought all season and stuff. With managers could be missing and stuff like that. All these little things, and it only take. We've seen ourselves. It takes a runner a few games. We were on cloud nine last season. We were lost a couple of games in a row, and all of a sudden it's a it's a crisis. Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be stunned if uh, two of the three relegated teams aren't aren't the ones I just listed. I think at this point, but mm-hmm. I think there is definitely scope for uh, someone else to slip down here. So after after five games last season, I mean, we haven't even played. Not all the leagues played four yet, but um, no. this is just the the point I picked it up at. Five games last season, Bournemouth were ninth. They went down. Norwich were thirteenth. They obviously went down. Wolves and Newcastle were both in the bottom three. Wolves obviously finished. Seventh, I believe, and Newcastle comfortably mid-table. The year before that, Fulham were 15th. They went down the year before that. West Brom were 10th. Stoke were 13th. Swansea were 14th. Palace were actually uh, bottom with zero points after five games that season and comfortably stayed up, of course. So, yeah. Sorry, I've I've heard a lot of our fans saying, oh, Southampton, West Ham are already six points in front of us. 
I don't know if anyone can remember last season when we were about 5,000 points in front of people and every time we lost the game, everyone was saying, that's it. They're catching yeah. us up down at the bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, so, it's down to I just think you can't have it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's it. I think, like, you know, with, with seven points off Newcastle, for instance, you think, well, that's quite a lot, seven points. It's not there after four games. We beat Fulham, Newcastle lose Saturday. Then we beat Newcastle whenever we play, and we're one point off them, straight off. It's still in our hands to finish above Newcastle, for instance, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, well, I, I, seeing as I picked them to go down... I hope we can finish many points above Newcastle because I do think they uh, still have the potential to come sliding down the league for sure. Um, All right, a couple of ones to quickly finish off then. Uh, You put this one forward. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the best English striker in the league. Tough one. I'm going to sell on this, but only because Kane has had such a brilliant start to the season. Um, Mm. He has three goals and six assists already. Uh, and the highest expected assist in the league by almost a full goal. I guess your counter-argument is that you want your striker to score goals, and uh, yeah, yeah, Calvert-Lewin has got a six in four league games, and obviously plenty more in his uh, non-league games as well, if you like Cups and Internationals. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think? I'm going to sell, because I, I think Kane is a better player still, and I think, like, as you said, he's had a good start himself. I think, though, Kane has not had a, a, a good full season for at least two seasons now. If we're still talking like this, you know, say Kane goes off the boil like he has done in previous seasons, uh, in the previous two seasons, you know, and, he, and by December, Calvert-Lewin's still banging him in. I think you've got to say Calvert-Lewin's your number one striker for England. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly the situation where it's less of a worry if Kane has his inevitable end-of-season burnout. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the way that Calvert-Lewin is playing out of... I'd, I'd love to believe we could play both of them, um, but we seem stuck on a, a certain formation at the minute. I don't start level, myself. But... Yeah, that's another person who's not helping my football, uh, <laughs> my my down down beating football. I know they won, and oh, what a manager he is! He beat a half a Belgium team, and you know, but why, why is he picking so many right backs? <laughs> it's just it's too it's just an obsession with right backs. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, we said last time about it can't pick uh, Pickford with a straight face, but there he is starting there against is, the number one team in the world. Pickford and Dyer, <laughs> but what a challenge that was for the penalty, by the way. <laughs> Eric Dyer, I do remember Dyer being good for England, but it was it was like four years ago, and it was as a defensive midfielder, and uh, yeah, yeah, we, we seem to be still trying to make it work in central defence, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really not, is it? Is you going to play three at the back? I mean, like I said to you, don't I think it takes you wild as nightmare that England team. You had Maguire on the left hand side of defence, and then and Trippier at left wing back. That's two left right footer players on the left hand side. Wild a bit. I bet he were up all night thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Uh, all right, final one. Uh, Arsenal have finally got it together. What are, we, what are you doing? Sell. <laughs> I think uh, I think Arsenal yeah. massively overrated again still. And I think I think they'll finish top six, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of talk, oh, they could get Champions League this season. Don't see it, personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a pretty confident sell on that one, I think. They... Mm. They've actually taken fewer shots than we have so far this season. Wow. Um, but they do have the second best shot on target percentage in the league and the highest XG per shot. So that's like, if you told me that United were doing that, I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's that's what we do. You know, we, we work in that high opportunity, uh, high, high percentage opportunity all the time. Do you get the sense that's deliberate with Arsenal? That those numbers mm-hmm. that I've just said that they're not shooting very often, and when they do, it's from great positions. I don't at all. I don't know. Do you know what? Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to think about when we played. They didn't have many shots against us, did they? To be honest, no, not all. Like, and they yeah. didn't take many. I'm trying to think. They've got enough individual quality to be taking more pot shots than all. If that makes sense, I think one of the reasons we concentrate on getting the perfect angle is because we don't have the class and quality of a, a Bamiang who could probably not one in from 25 yards or a Pepe or whatever. Hmm. I don't know. I really, really don't know if that's... Maybe he's just copying us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know if he's that good, though, old Arteta. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think they're going to have a similar season to last year, to be honest, and finish sort of... Yeah, six, six to eight so probably seems about the right range. Certainly, at this stage, I don't have any sense of them uh, getting it together and I know a load of Arsenal fans who were pretty grumpy after their game with us, to be honest, even though yeah. they won and they're currently sat uh, fourth in the league with the joint 
second highest number of points after four games. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go with a, a sell on getting it together just yet for sure. Um, yeah. He did also suggest the narrative of Frank Lampard as a joke, but I don't really have much to say about that, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, well, we'll see. Big season for Frank Lampard, this, I think. I mean, although it's uh, early days, it's oddly, you know, setting the world a lot, is it? It should be make or break for him, really, I yeah. think, as a, as, a, as a manager. I mean, you know, if, if they have a bad bad season and finish, like, outside the top six or seven, then, yeah, in theory, that would set his club managerial career back ages. You know he's going to be the next England manager, don't you? Just, um, yeah, just put that I mean, oh, yes, Southgate's gone. Who have we got? Lampard. Oh. <laughs> just write it Saying down. That, Lampard's, Lampard's achieved far, far more as a manager than uh, Southgate did, who got Middlesbrough relegated and then managed to get the England job. At least Lampard got Derby in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, although with a team that was in the playoffs the previous season. That's true, yeah. yeah. Borrowing a load of uh, internationals as well from, uh, yeah. from the Premier League. Probably, if he gets the England job, he'll just repeat what Southgate's done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it a lot. Um, right, mate, let's let's finish there. Uh, I, I managed to just about get through this without croaking Round too much. Applause. Thanks, man. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got the violins out, but it's okay. It's just a bug, according to that test. So, And I do feel a lot better now and uh, can talk more clearly. So that's very helpful indeed. I can catch it over, over Skype, so we're all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't need to self-isolate after this. Um, <laughs> well, not from that anyway. Yeah, so I guess we will be back early next week where we'll hopefully be talking about our first win of the season. I feel like I said that a few times, but um, yeah, this is useful to get my head back into, back into the game quite literally because, yeah, it's almost been a case of like just covering my eyes and putting my fingers in my ears with football over the last um well I was gonna say the last four or five weeks but yeah uh, specifically mean over the last few days I think it's just like this is the thing is for me I, I think this is the most so far this has been the most depressing season I've ever had as a United fan and it's not as bad as the Atkins days in terms of football mm. and stuff but with everything else going you can't even go and all this sort of, and that's nobody's fault it's just you know I'm not gonna get downbeat about and say why can't we go to the match you know what I mean and stuff obviously bigger things at play but as a football fan it's it's a bad time to be a football fan a proper football fan and then you've got all these ridiculous things flying around with a 15 pound and then uh, well you called it something else didn't you Project Big Picture which I'll not repeat <laughs> it now, but uh, yeah um, so yeah and I think that it's just that's just every. I don't know. Every time you turn on the news about football, you're thinking, "Oh, a bit of escapism," and it's just something ridiculous. Like, "Oh, we've decided to." There's only going to be six teams next season in the Premier League. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is uh, going to have to close their grounds forever immediately. Apparently, yeah, six I'm... championship clubs. By the way, I was mentioning this earlier. This has come out this morning. Um, I've said that if they don't get a bailout, they will have to. You know, they'll go into administration. Yeah, that's uh, not. Uh, I'm, to be honest, I'm surprised it's that low an amount of teams. That means um, Wednesday's going to be all right because they'll all get minus twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Um, right, let's let's hope for uh, Rian Brewster fit and firing on his debut. That's something to look forward to. Let's hope that uh, Fleck is fine. That Egan is. Um, that for once we get a positive uh, guinea pig outcome with uh, with a ruling from the Premier League. Yeah, and that, yeah. Uh, but not a positive result by Egan. No. Yes, <laughs> very good. Um, let's hope McGoldrick isn't that injured after all. But uh-huh. most of all, let us hope that the Blades uh, get a bit of a fortuitous bounce for once and also put in a performance worthy of winning the first game of the season. Um, right, mate, anything uh, Anything you want to plug? You mentioned a, a loan roundup there. Yeah, I did a long round. I've been quite busy, actually. The international, we've got everyone on an international break. I wish I'd never started doing them in a way now. Um, I've done uh, at least a view for every player who's been on an international break. I couldn't get one friend of Stevens in the last game because the only comment I could find was he put a good cross in. And I thought, it's not good really one. worth a, a full post, that. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully I'm not doing any tonight because I would like it if none of our players play, to be honest, tonight. <laughs> yeah, that would be delightful. I think Burgess played every minute so far, hasn't yeah. he? Uh, one of which went to extra time. So. Um... <clears throat> So yeah, hopefully I've got nothing to promote from today because I would love it if uh, we don't have any players playing. But if we do, you know, if Ampadu plays or whatever, Berger, McBurney, I'll be trying to get some superb translations from the Norway guys, by the way. I don't know if you saw uh, that post. I saw a few. 
Yeah, yeah. What about being in syrup or everything yeah, he does is in syrup? Yeah, he stands like he's in syrup, and another one is he, he is not the glue. So, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know what it means. Just, sticky metaphors from, you know, from I don't the Norwegians. Know, I don't know what it means. Uh, I just... I just translate it, and that's that's it. I Google Translate, and that's what I'll do. <laughs> What's um, how did old uh, McBurney get on for Scotland this week? You don't what want to know the... that. I got, I got... Someone had a go at me. I see United fan on S two saying that um, I were, uh, were spreading negative vibes around because of what Scotland fans were saying about McBurney. But you know, don't shoot the messenger. That I'm afraid a lot of people in Scotland just don't like McBurney. Someone actually yeah. put a, a tweet up saying. Um, I hate McBurney that much that is it, if we were in a World Cup final and uh, he went through clean through and goal for Scotland and missed, I would cheer. So I think that <laughs> just sort of sums up, you know, what what the mentality is to to certain certain supporters of certain clubs down there. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, well, I hope everybody doesn't get injured tonight. Is the main thing. But if they wanted to not play him, that would be quite nice tonight. And then. McBurney I want to do a view from McBurney when he gets like an hat trick or something for Scotland, which is unlikely given how Scotland play. But yeah, it might be waiting a while. I think. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. McBurney and Bruce to starting on Sunday. That's what I want to see. And uh, yeah, let's go. Time to uh, time to kickstart our season, mate, and put all this negativity behind us. I think. And, uh, One day I want yeah. it all be upbeat. You're over your cough. You know, we're all back. <laughs> you know, we've got a vaccine. And <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big build-up, but we will see what the weekend brings us, I suppose. Uh, thanks very much, as always, mate. People can check out uh, all those views, obviously, from roysviewfrom.com and at Panchero on Twitter. And uh, I am, of course, at Bladespod on Twitter as well. Um, thanks for your time, mate. really appreciate it, as always, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks, as always, to you for downloading and listening as well. And finally, thank you to another of our sponsors at BlazePod, and that is Beer52. As you know, the start of the new football season is here, and what better way to celebrate and watch the match than with some of the best beer on the planet. Beer52 have the perfect beer for any occasion, and they are offering eight free craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, cover just the $5.95 for the postage, and they will send you a case of eight free beers. Beer52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Over 150,000 members that send a brand new case to every single month. Each month's case has a different theme, and as an independent British company, Beer52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose a light option. Plus, your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, uh, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com slash blazepod to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash blazepod.